0: Welcome to Practical Christian
1: Living. When I'm sharing with someone who's a Jehovah Witness, I really want to win them to Christ. I want to get them away from whatever they want to talk about with me. They want to talk about the cross, or they want to talk about hell. I want to get away from that, and I just want to come back to the person of Jesus Christ and just say, "Listen, if you're not worshiping and serving the real Jesus, then you need to you need to truly get saved." If the Jesus that you're serving, so I want to come back to that, and I want to show them that God is called God in the Bible.
0: As Christians, it's important for us to know why we celebrate what we celebrate on special days throughout the year. Ultimately, as followers of Jesus, we are celebrating our Messiah's birth, His resurrection, and our future with Him. With a special teaching out of Romans chapter 14, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson.
1: Father, thank You. Thank You that we can call out to You as the video said, in spite of all of the things that have happened because of who we are in you and what you've done in our lives. And we pray now that your Holy Spirit would be at work in us as we take time to study your word. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Tonight we have a little bit different kind of a Bible study. I do wanna come to the place before our study is done where we talk about thankfulness. I want to look at a couple of Old Testament passages, but especially some New Testament passages that tell us about thankfulness and encourages us to be thankful and we'll learn a little bit about it. But I thought we should talk today about whether or not we should celebrate Thanksgiving as Christians. And I, and I want to do this on a larger scale. This really isn't just, should we celebrate Thanksgiving? This is, should we celebrate holidays. That's what this really is. I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about it because for a long time now, there's been a controversy in the church. The Puritans did not celebrate Christmas. This is really funny because these are the Puritans that came over in 1621, had the first Thanksgiving with the Indians, right? The 90 Indians that came over. These are those Puritans. They did not celebrate Christmas that year because they thought that it had some kind of worldly roots. They saw the worldliness that was in Christmas. And as a group of people, as a church, they felt that they should not not do it. And there are Christians today who feel like they should not celebrate the holidays. But I'm more concerned with the Jehovah Witnesses who don't celebrate any holidays, who don't celebrate birthdays at all. There's all kinds of other problems that they have in their theology. They don't believe Jesus is God, which we would call that the main one, but there's all kinds of other problems with the Jehovah Witnesses. And they like to go out on Thanksgiving and Christmas and knock on people's door and rain on their parade. They wanna upset your turnip cart. They wanna tell you that your Christmas or your Thanksgiving has paganistic roots and try to get you to, to, I don't know, to, to ruin your Christmas or get you to become a Jehovah Witness by, and this is what they do. They'll talk about the cross, not being a cross, but being a stake. Uh, if you're Catholic, they'll talk to you about the Bible, say not to worship Mary or bow down to her. And they'll try to, talk. if you're, if you're a Christian, they're going to talk to you about maybe hell. Hell is one of the things they want to talk to you about. So they're looking at things that, that they, can, they can shake you up on. And one of them is our holidays. And for us at Calvary Chapel, our holidays are pretty important. I would like to go on with this study and not really let you know where I am for a while, where I land with it. It's hard to do with our Christmas decorations down front, our reefs up back here. Right. It's hard for us to mean to go. We don't believe in celebrating Christmas. All right. No, I, I, I. Yeah, obviously we do. And we love it. Personally, I love it. I love having a celebration of the birth of Jesus. But let me ask a couple of questions. First of all, is Christmas in the Bible? Can you ever find Christmas in the Bible? The answer to that is no. You don't find Christmas. That is the commemoration of Christmas, the, the memorial of Christmas. In the book of Acts, when the early church met together, they never once celebrated the birth of Christ. There's not anything that hints to it. And in in all of the epistles where there's plenty of opportunities for there to be a, you know, celebrate his birth kind of of a moment, there's nothing. You cannot find any of it. So it really does become one of those truly gray areas where whether or not we celebrate the birth of our savior. Now, saying that Christmas isn't in the Bible, the commemoration of Christmas, doesn't mean that the story isn't in the Bible, right? That the account isn't in the Bible. The account of his birth is detailed. And we know a lot of things about it. And uh, at some point we'll talk about the myths that are around Christmas too, the things people believe that aren't really in the Bible. Um, But one of the things that they like to do is challenge Christmas as being a part of Roman paganism or a part of paganism. And I need to talk, first of all, about what paganism is. This is really important because what do you think of when you think of pagan? Right. So, I, I mean, I think of maybe the Druids, right, which were out of England. I think of that paganism. Um, but paganism, as it has been, the Bible, by the way, never uses the word paganism. It would talk about, it talks about other religions that are out there. But paganism would be anything. This is what it meant in the uh, 4th century B.C. No, excuse me, A.D., 4th century A.D. It meant anything that wasn't Christian. Any Roman worship, any Greek worship, any English worship, any Celtic worship, anything that wasn't Christian was considered to be paganism. It was something that came up with it. Now, there are paganists today as well, people who would say that they are pagans. That's a whole different thing. These are guys that decide that they want to be pagan and they have a little things that they do. And so, you know, there's, there's a pagan as a religion today. And that's different than what paganism was. And so when someone knocks on your door and says, listen, uh, Thanksgiving has roots in paganism. They are talking about anything else in the days of Christianity that people were worshiping in other ways. Okay. And um, when they're talking about these kinds of paganism, I think it's important for us to understand, and I might as well go here now, because again, we got decorations everywhere. There's no way to get away from paganism. You, you, there's just no way. Our culture is wrapped around, it's everywhere. Uh, one of the things that I like to do, I should say I like to do, I, um, I try not to because it's a little bit mean. When I'm sharing with someone who's a Jehovah Witness, I really want to win them to Christ. I want to get them away from whatever they want to talk about with me. They want to talk about the cross or they want to talk about hell. I want to get away from that. And I just want to come back to the person of Jesus Christ. And just say, listen, if you're not worshiping and serving the real Jesus, then you need to to truly get saved. If the Jesus that you're serving. So I want to come back to that and I want to show them that God is called God in the Bible. Hebrews chapter one was one of the main texts I go to. I try not to do John one because they rewrote their Bible. But Hebrews one says, God, your God has anointed you. To which of the angels did he say, God, your God has anointed you? But one of the things you could do if you wanted to is point out their wedding ring. When they come and knock on your door and say, well, you know, Thanksgiving is a paganistic holiday. It's got all kinds of, of paganism in it. You could say, well, why do you, are you wearing a wedding ring? Because a wedding ring is founded in paganism. That's where they came from. Yeah, they believe that there was a vein that ran from the third finger on the left hand all the way to the heart. And so you put the wedding ring on that finger and we just adopted that. Our culture adopted it. Every month of the year has a, has a pagan foundation to it. When you say this January, you're making a reference to the God Janus, which is the God, the Roman God of justice who looked ahead and behind. If you see the the idol of, of Janus, it has two faces. One of them looking ahead and one of them looking behind. And so January being the first month of the year looks ahead and it looks behind. It's paganism. Every day of the week is paganism. Every single day of the week has paganism. And that, every Saturn, Saturday is Saturn Day. And and so on. Every day has a connection to paganism. So if you're trying to get rid of all paganism, then you better go hide in a corner somewhere and just get away from everything completely. But why in paganism, in their terms, the different religions around the world, why do they worship on Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and springtime? For us, the resurrection of our Savior. For Jews, the Passover. Why are they all in that same time frame? They would like you to think there's a conspiracy. Somebody came up with a conspiracy. And so we have Thanksgiving and it's connected to this time where there's these other world religions and there's Saturnalia around Christmas time. They would like to think it was a conspiracy, but it's really not. It's because there are natural times to celebrate every year. The Halloween, which we do a harvest at the church, right? Is a harvest celebration. You bring in the harvest and you celebrate. And it's got in our day, it's got some fun spooky stuff. Notice I did this here because I realize that some people, uh, Halloween is a whole different issue than Christmas, right? Or Thanksgiving. And we'll talk about it at some point. It's also got some other stuff that's not so fun, spooky stuff that's connected with it. But it is a harvest celebration. And that's why all around the world you have at the same time Halloween is going on and people adopting Halloween is because it's harvest. Thanksgiving is the same way. Thanksgiving is the late harvest. Halloween comes at the time of the end of the harvest. But then there's a late harvest when everything is, is completely done. It's been all harvested. And now there's nothing but winter that lies ahead and you thank God for his provision that he's given you for the winter. And that's why around the world you will find different groups that are thankful in Thanksgiving because it's the time of the late harvest. The winter solstice is a little bit before January 25th. And they're one of the reasons that people celebrate and have have taken different paganistic Uh, rituals and worship of different gods around the winter solstice is because the winter solstice is when days get darker, 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 darker. Like right now, right? You're getting shorter and shorter. There's less and less light every day until December, what is it? 15th, 18th? I forget when the winter solstice is. Anybody here know? Is it the 21st or 22nd? Come on, people. Which one is it? All right, so around there. So around the 22nd, it shifts. And now you begin to get more and more light, more and more light. Every day there's more and more light. And so that's significant. And it's a time when people would be celebrating springs on its way. We've made it through the darkest time of winter. And so people have attached things to it. And maybe that's why that's been chosen for Jesus's birthday. Because it's a time where the days are getting newer. It's like we're looking forward to spring and what Jesus has done for us. We don't find anything on December 25th until the fourth century BC. We find some, some other references to other pagan gods being born around that time in the fourth century. And we find December 25th coming up, first of all, for Jesus's birth. And we all know that Jesus wasn't born on the 25th, right? I shouldn't say we all know that. I'll say I'll inform everyone here that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, unless something really weird happened and that happened to be the day that he was born. It's the day that somebody made up to celebrate his birth. And then you've got the spring, which is why you have the Eshtar worship, which is the bunnies and the eggs, which is to the god Eshtar. We get Easter from that. And we have bunnies and we have eggs. We have a, an egg hunt in our backyard for our grandkids. And there are some people throughout the time of the church who have gotten really offended that we would do something like that. But I'm going to share with you why I feel free to be able to do those things here in just a moment. But I just wanted you to know that there's a reason why these things all fall on the same time. That there doesn't necessarily have to be this giant conspiracy out there where somebody went, uh, we're going to have, it couldn't happen in the resurrection. We're going to have the resurrection, you know, fall on the same day as Estar. We worship Estar. No, it just happens to be spring that Jesus rose from the dead and spring is when the Estar worship was. And that there's some conspiracy that they went, well, this is Saturnalia. That's the Roman, the main days. It was a week time, the 17th through the 23rd of December that they would worship the Roman god Saturn and called Saturnalia. And so that somebody went along and made it into Christmas and there's, there's these things that look like Christmas in it. And so I don't know that there's just a conspiracy or whether or not, as the Roman Empire went from being pagan to Christian, whether or not the cultures went with it. And some of those things that were celebrated within paganism went with it as well. So that there are certainly some things that were practiced. For example, in Saturnalia, there was... Gift giving, It was more like a white elephant kind of a thing. They weren't giving real gifts to people. It was silly gifts that they were giving to each other, but they did have gift giving. They would bring greenery into their house. Again, it's the winter solstice. They would bring evergreens into their home as a, a reminder that spring was on its way and they worshiped him because of that. I don't know whether our Christmas trees are connected to that or not. You go back to our roots are a little bit different with it, but they did it. They would go down the street singing. So people connect that to caroling, that today in Christmas time, people go out caroling. And what other similarities? So the time of year, 17th through the 23rd, the 25th is Christmas. So it's in the same time range. It's not on the 25th. And people tell you that because they want to get exact. So all of that looks like, wow, that really looks like Christmas. Saturnalia really looks like Christmas. And so you guys are a bunch of pagans worshiping Jesus' birth on the 25th when he wasn't born on the 25th. But then you begin to look a little bit closer and it's not so comparable. You begin to look at why they brought trees into their home and you realize, well, that's not why we bring trees into our home. In the Old Testament, they worshiped Tammuz and Astaroth. And they did that by cutting down trees, decorating and bringing them into their home. Have You guys ever read that in the Old Testament? And when you read it, you go. Ugh. But then when you look a little closer, you realize, oh, they're making idols. They cut down trees they decorated, them, they inlaid them. They made idols out of them and they brought them into their home and they worshiped it. If you have a Christmas tree in your house and uh, you bow down and worship it, we have a problem. If you have a Christmas tree in your house because it reminds you of the time that we have chosen to celebrate the birth of our Savior and that we have chosen to celebrate that, not because we're ever commanded in the scripture to do that, but because we have chosen that, then I don't see any problem with that. Caroling, I don't know if they caroled or not. Anytime any group gets together and sings, Is that saying that that's like Saturnalia? You know, if anybody's at a sport event and they start boarding it and they start to sing, oh, the people of Saturnalia sang. They did walk down the street and sing songs about Saturn, but they were also naked when they did it. And I'm really glad that didn't carry over. All right. So once you begin to look at the comparisons, the comparisons break down. They're not as good. They'll do the same thing when they talk about Mithra. They'll say, do you know that Mithra was born on the 25th? Mithra had 12 disciples. They'll just make all of these things up about Mithra. And then when you go to check them out, none of them are true. And Dionysus and a few of these other gods, they try to say are the same thing as Jesus. Some of them are after Jesus, but they're not true. They had 12 disciples. None of them had 12 disciples. All of these, you could fill in whatever group of people you want to fill in. They're doing the same thing that they're doing with Christmas and with these pagan holidays. So I don't think that there was this this giant conspiracy, but a lot of stuff made its way in. And for me and my freedom and what I do, the freedom that I have in Christ and what I do around these times has nothing to do with paganism. Thanksgiving is said to be paganistic because they have the cornucopia with it. The cornucopia comes out of Greek mythology, where I think it's Zeus, forgive me if I'm wrong, who breaks off the horn of of a goat, And that horn provides milk and food for him for a sustained amount of time. And so in Thanksgiving, you've seen the cornucopia, right? And you've seen the whatever, the pumpkins coming out of it or the corn or whatever's coming out of it. And that's connected to that. Now, for for me, I've never thought about that. Not once. Not once did I ever go, you know, when I'm worshiping um, Zeus by uh, celebrating Thanksgiving and having a picture of, you know, a cornucopia on my refrigerator, which we don't. But if I did, that's not what it is to us. To us, uh, to me, that's always been God brought us into a land and gave us, you know, the United States that is plentiful. And so we are thankful for what God has provided for us. So anyway, that gives you some ideas of how they do. But really, how should we handle this? The Bible gives us some surprising, applicable direction. Really with the same exact thing taking place. Because in their day, can you imagine living, just say, two or 300, maybe 400 A.D., and you're in Rome and there are Christians and there are still people that are doing paganistic things and you go to buy meat somewhere and you don't know whether this meat has been sacrificed to a pagan god and so you decide i'm not going to eat meat because i don't know but somebody else in your same church decides i'm going to eat meat because it doesn't matter paul said these gods are nothing they're not really gods they're nothing And so eating or not eating doesn't really matter. But Paul also said, hey, be considerate of people who decide that they don't want to eat. So this is exactly the same thing. It's exactly, they're talking about paganism. They don't use that word, but in this chapter, that's the context. So listen to what it says. It says, receive one who is weak in the faith. The person who is weak in the faith is the one who says, I can't celebrate Christmas. I can't celebrate Thanksgiving. I can't eat meat because it might have been sacrificed to a pagan idol. Okay, that's the weak one. I'm not saying that the Bible says that. We have freedom in Christ. But some of us, our our freedoms, excuse me, our freedoms are restrictive. Some of us restrict ourselves and some of us, we need to restrict ourselves because we know that some things are not edifying to us. And we know that they lead us down a direction that's not good and so we choose not to. But it says, receive one who is weak, but not disputes over doubtful things. This is a doubtful thing. Do you celebrate Christmas or not? Uh, The Bible didn't tell us. Doesn't say not to. Doesn't say to. And so this is a doubtful thing. And Paul is saying, I don't want you guys arguing and and dividing over things that are doubtful. For one believes he may eat all things. This is the guy who believes he can eat meat that's been sacrificed to an idol. Paganism. He's got pagan roots in that meat. But he who is weak eats only vegetables. And I love that it's the vegetarian who's weak here. All right. (laughs) I'm glad you guys laugh because that could be a touchy joke, right? And especially if somebody doesn't think we're joking, all right? So this is not connected to the vegetarian movement today at all. If you're a vegetarian, it's not talking to you. It's not saying you're weak because of that. It's talking about the faith of an individual who believes that they can't eat meat because it's been sacrificed to a pagan deity. That it might have been sacrificed to a pagan deity. Not even sure it might have been, so they don't eat it. And they are the weak one. Why Why are they weak? Because we have freedom in Christ. Because we of all are the most free. And so then it says in verse 3, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. So we put that in our context. If we celebrate Christmas, then we shouldn't despise the person who doesn't. If a person goes, you know what? It's got some pagan roots in it and I don't like that and I don't want to do that. They have the freedom to not do it. And we should not judge them for that. So let, um, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And then on the opposite end, And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. So if you don't practice Christmas, don't judge the people that celebrate it. Right? We're we're free in Christ. And if someone says, look, paganism roots don't bother me. Even if they transferred back in, in 300 when Constantine became emperor over Rome and Christianity was made the official religion language, even if there was a conspiracy and they flipped everything over and Christmas became what Saturnalia was, I personally wouldn't have a problem with that. For me because I don't worship anything to do with Saturnalia. Everything for me is Jesus and it's all about Christ. And that's all it's been my whole life. And so it doesn't bother me. Somebody, it might bother. And if it does, then that's great. But don't judge the person who doesn't and don't judge the person who does. It goes on to say, and this is why, for God will receive him. Either way, you're a child of God. This is a doubtful thing. This is something outside of the realm of faith. And sometimes we try to make these an issue of faith like the Jehovah Witnesses do when they're not. Verse four. Who are you to judge another man's servant or another servant? To his own master, he will stand or fall. Indeed, he will be able to stand for God is able to make him stand. When we're talking about these doubtful things, if God doesn't want me involved in them, God's big enough to work in my life and God's big enough to work in your life without me telling you what to do, letting you have your freedom in Christ. Now, when we talk about freedom in Christ, we're not talking about sinful things. We're not talking about things the Bible says don't do. We're talking about doubtful things. We're talking about gray areas, right? So then it says one person, it gives another example, but this is exactly the same. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems all day alike, all days alike. One person esteems Christmas over another. Another guy says, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. One person puts, you know, the Sabbath day, they had an argument within the early church about worshiping on Saturday and Sunday. The reason we as a church worship on Sunday it's because Jesus appeared on Sunday to the disciples for the first two weeks. Then after that, the first day of the week, the day rose from the dead was the day that the church met. And they did that throughout the book of Acts. And so we, we worship on Sunday. But if a church wants to meet on Saturday, they can do that. They're free to do it. You're free to worship on Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever day you want to. You're free to do it. We're not told that you can only worship God if you worship him on Saturday. But that becomes an issue again. Sabbatharians will tell us we're not keeping the Ten Commandments. What they miss is that Jesus fulfilled all of the commandments and that he is our Sabbath. And we are, I like to tell them I am a Sabbatharian. I don't want to get too uppity with them again because I want to really win them to Christ. But really, I think I'm more of a Sabbatharian than they are because Jesus, the Sabbath spoke of Christ and Jesus is the Sabbath, which brings us rest. And so we worship him on one day. Somebody else doesn't like that day and they want to worship on another day, they can do that. And the same thing is true with the holiday. It says, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, you live the things that are laid upon your heart and mind. You be fully convinced of them. He goes on to say here then, let each be fully convinced of his own mind. Verse six, he who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord and gives God thanks. He who does not eat, to the Lord, he does not eat. And he gives God thanks. That's where we'll end this section of our study by saying, whatever it is that we do, we give God thanks. And so if someone really were to come to your door, or if you know someone who doesn't celebrate Christmas, this is not something to fight a brother or sister over. This is not something to divide over. It's amazing to me what people will divide over. There are reasons why Christians should divide. This is not one of them. And most things that people argue about are not things that that really ought to be divided over. The Bible says that the servant of the Lord needs to be gentle, able to persuade someone that they might believe the truth. There needs to be a gentleness when we're sharing with someone.
0: Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus south of Palo Verde and I-10 meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. PCLAZ.org. That's PCLAZ.org, where you can make a secure one time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a recurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life, or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at Saved at and don't forget to follow us on social media. Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.